You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I've got Nikki Flockton with me. Welcome to the island, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be on the island. On the island, we love to hear those stories from our guests about that time in their life where they did something for themselves, where they followed a particular passion, perhaps went against the grain or even did something where others said, it's going to be too hard. Have you got that time in your life where you did something for yourself and that might be seen as a bit of a pivotal moment for you? Yes, there was a moment in my life where it was a soft turn and I didn't know that that soft turn was going to help me in a major turn in my life and lead to a second career that I didn't imagine I would ever have because I was very happy with the career that I had. So it sounds like you're doing something for fun as a bit of a passion piece. And then it became serious. Exactly, exactly. That's what it was. It was like I was on a writing community. I made friends. They they were very welcoming and they were there when I was with the birth of my two children. And through that, we started writing a fan fiction story. And then I decided, well, I like to read a lot. I like to read romance. That's what I write. And so I thought, well, let me just try writing a manuscript and see how I go. There was a time in the past where I had written a couple, I'd started and probably was maybe 500 words and then I stopped. But this one, I just sat down and thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I ended up doing it. (laughs) So why do you think you stopped to start with in those first couple of attempts? I didn't think that I was good enough. I didn't think that what I was doing was enough. I didn't know that I could carry the plot all the way through or the or the story all the way through. And it wasn't, you know, we eventually wrote this story together as a group and I thought, well, actually I can keep going. I can keep adding more. And it just what started with my first manuscript was just, just this scene of this woman standing in a crowded room but she seemed lost and it was like, why is she lost? And that's the idea that started forward with my first book that I wrote. So I'm always interested with people following their passion because a lot of the time they also not only have that 
light bulb moment where they had that belief, but they also learned some technical skills that make it a little bit easier. Did that also happen as well? Yes, I got involved with the Romance Writers of Australia. I heard about them through the eHarlequin community that I was on because there was Australian authors on there. So I joined that way back in 2003. So that was in between when my daughter was born in 2002 and my son in 2004. And so I was wanting to go to conferences and do things, but it was just, you know, wasn't the right timing. And it wasn't for a few years until their timing became right and I could go to a conference. And then I started to learn my craft and I started to learn about goal, motivation, conflict and all the things that are needed in a story. So that was, yeah, it's very important to when you're writing to kind of learn the craft. I think people who follow creative pursuits or people that look on others following creative pursuits, whether it be writing, whether it be painting, whether it be drawing, whether it be playing music, often think, oh, it's just a natural talent. And sure, you do need to have that passion and that drive and that um, connection with whatever you're doing from a passionate point of view, but you can get really good at it by just acquiring some skills, some skills that work for you to get you to the next level and then the next level after that. And so not only are you passionate about it, but you feel like you're achieving it because you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. Correct. Yes. I mean, I had never considered, I wasn't one of these people that had diaries full of stories that they'd written. It was, wasn't something that ever crossed my radar until I found this community and started writing. I was very happy in the job. I was working as an executive assistant. I liked my corporate, corporate job, but then the writing just became an outlet. It just became like, because I'd read so much, I thought this is, I want to do this. I want to be able to give somebody the joy that I'm receiving when I read a book. And so by learning what I could, yeah, I just sort of continued to to build on what I'd learned. But prior to getting my, I only ever wrote two full manuscripts before I got published. And those two manuscripts, how many words? You said you'd done your trial manuscript, you know, 500 words. So what was the first manuscript in, in total words? That ended up being because I was actually aiming for Mills and Boone or Harlequin Mills and Boone, their modern or presents line. And so they were a maximum of 50,000 words. So that was my first one was about 50,000. And so was my my second one. And I had done some online pitching contests on the eHarlequin community. And I got, got a request for a partial, which is like a the first three chapters and a full synopsis. And that was back in the day where everything had to be printed out and mailed and you knew that you weren't going to hear back for like three to five months. That was just, that was just a standard because it was either over in um, the UK or the USA. And then you'd, you'd wait for the letter to come back and they'd say, no, we're not interested or yes, we'd like to see the full manuscript. And I got a request for a full from that online pitch. And so eventually I, I sent that off, but there was actually, there was a major move in my life before I could send that manuscript off. Well, just before we get to that, I'm really interested in the, in this pitch, this online pitching environment. How many people are, are in the online pitching room or do you pitch one-on-one? 
Well, it was one-on-one and what it was to get picked up by the editor, you had to condense your novel into one line, so like an elevator pitch. So I think mine was along the lines of he wants revenge, she wants her memory back, something along those lines because my female character had amnesia and the male character was a husband and she didn't remember him so and he wanted to get his revenge over something that he perceived that she'd done. And so that one was picked out and then I got into a room and I'd never done a pitch in my life. At the time I had joined the Romance Writers of Australia, as I said, but I hadn't really connected with anybody locally in WA. So I was still sort of communicating with people in America and with the time difference and stuff. It's kind of difficult to to practice that sort of thing. So I get into the pitching room and I'm like, I don't know what to say. Do I type? Do I I just wait for them to say something? And eventually they ask, you know, so tell me about your story. And so, you know, you had to type out what you know the story was and eventually yeah got to the stage well that sounds really interesting I'd like to see you know the first three chapters and the synopsis but I did pitch in person at a conference in 2008 um, and that was for the second manuscript I'd written and they asked to see the partial for that one too and that one was for the London office the other one the first one was for Harlequin Desire in the US. It's fantastic that you're able to connect with people all around the world though that this is very Very much much a worldwide network and ecosystem as opposed to you know being stuck in your state or your country and just trying to find the the editors and seeking them out but the fact that there's a ecosystem is is fascinating it really is and um the girls that I met online you know they were like super supportive they were excited when you mentioned what was happening and then eventually there was um, I got connected with some women in Perth and we created a, a critique group and that was back in 2006 and I guess that's where I really got more serious about you know handing my work over getting comments fixing it up and um, taking that sort of like next step but they're still like going to the next next step still takes a bit of courage. That also is a bit of an interesting situation where often these creative pursuits that you have, you're on your own. You're painting your own picture. You're even writing your own novel. But the fact that there's a group that you can interact with, and I I guess there's interesting dynamics around competitiveness, yet supportive competitiveness. Uh, I'd be interested to know how that plays out sometimes. Well, it was interesting that, Initially, there was some women that were just like wanting just to meet for coffee and to talk. And it's like, well, no, this is, we want a critique group. So we've got to hand our work. Oh, no, no, I'm never giving my work to anybody. And it's like, well, how are you going to get published then if you're not going to give your work to, to people that are friends that you can trust? And, and sometimes it's harsh, even now, after writing for, for 10 years, getting comments from my my beta reader, who's my best friend, it's still like a, a stab in the chest when she goes, you know, this needs fixing, this needs fixing. And, but it is really good to, to connect. And surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of competitiveness because uh, there was a couple of us writing contemporary, but there was a person writing paranormal, historical. So that's all different genres. So there wasn't a lot of competing. And 
And we were genuinely happy when something good happened for, for one of the girls in the group. When you got your first manuscript accepted, what's the timeline between being accepted and being produced either in an online environment or a physical environment? Well, this was was back in 2012. I was living in Houston at the time. We had moved to Houston from Perth. And a lot of the people that I had met and knew from my time in Australia were getting contracts. And there was, was a time when digital publishing was starting to explode. Self-publishing was starting to explode. So there was all these small publishers opening and an author friend had submitted to a publisher called Crimson Romance and she was took a contract from them and I thought, well, she writes for Harlequin. If she's accepting a contract from them, they must be an, excuse me, an all right publisher or a, a reasonable publisher. So I remember it was, uh, I think it was like a Tuesday night, the NBA finals were on in the background because we were watching that. And I was sitting at my desk and I was like, right, I'm going to do this. And so I sent out an email, I attached a synopsis, and then I just like took the deep breath and moved the mouse and hit send. And it's just like it's jumping off a cliff almost when you're taking that or jumping out of a plane when you're going doing your first parachute um, drop. It was or skydive. It was just getting past that fear of the fear of rejection or whatever. And I sort of like in the end I said, what's the worst I, that could happen? Because I'd had I'd had full manuscripts rejected by that time a couple of times. So, yeah, so it was just hit send. And then I think it was the next day I got an email back from them asking to send the full manuscript. So I took some time over the weekend to read it but at, still at this stage I only had two completed completed manuscripts so this was the second one that I was sending off so I sent it off on the Monday and then on the Wednesday an email pops up on my phone and I look at my phone and I open sort of like I look at the email and I see it's got the little attachment like the paperclip attachment I'm thinking oh okay it's a rejection they're sending it back which is like it's digital why would they send it back but I went to the computer and I just kind of like opened it and I looked and I looked at the second paragraph and it said, I'm attaching a contract. And I went, oh, my God, I'm going to be an author. And my kids were like, yay, mum. And so it was kind of, so that was in the June. So it was basically a week after I'd sent the initial inquiry that I got the contract. And that was at the stage where this particular publisher they were brand new, so they were taking chances on people, and I'm forever grateful that they took a chance on me. So that was June the 20th was when I got the um, email with the offer of the contract, and Masquerade was released on the 22nd of October 2012. So it was like four months in between contract to publication. But with an ebook, it's a lot easier because you don't have to wait for printing. If you're doing a print contract, it's obviously a little bit longer. Really important question to ask. The front cover of a book is always, you know, agonised over. I'm assuming there's a digital front cover of the book. Do yes. you have much say in that? Well, you do fill out a cover art sheet. It's one of the things I don't like doing because I'm like, I don't know what I want on the cover. So I was like, it takes, you know, the only thing takes place in a masquerade board. It was 
ball. It was initially called New Year's Eve Masquerade. And so I was out with Jason, my husband, and I got an email from the editor saying, oh, here's a mock-up of your cover. And I like said to Jason, oh, my God, I've got a cover. And so I pressed it open with him and it was just, it was amazing. I just loved it. It was a black background and it was a woman with just a blue mask on just in the corner and it was just really striking. It's, yeah, I really loved it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it was, it's a very striking cover. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that during this process of your first manuscript and sort of developing your craft, you went to Houston and the family moved there. How did that impact on your writing career? Well, I didn't write for like probably a year. I think it was just like it was just a big emotional upheaval because it was going to a brand new country. You know, even though they talk, you know, they talk the same way, the English and all that sort of thing, thing, food and driving are all different. So it was all very stressful. You had to find a house. And so it took a while to get settled and back into the mindset of actually looking at writing. And by that time, the first the manuscript that I did for the online pitch, the editor had left. And so I was like, oh, well, I can't send the full manuscript because I hadn't sent it before I left, left Australia. And I had a friend who wrote for that particular line and she and I spoke to her and she emailed me back and said, oh, here, this is my editor. I've talked to her, just send it to her. So that was really good that I had somebody to send it to. So that was in, so we moved in August 2009 and that was probably, I would say, I think August or October or something, 2010 that I sent it. But prior to that, Romance Writers of America, I joined them in the February and I they have, it's a very different setup to Australia, uh, whereas they have chapters around in every state. And so I, I found one where I didn't have to go on any freeways in Houston because, you know, I didn't want to drive on any freeway. And it was the West Houston chapter. And I had met somebody at um, an Australian Australia Day party that an organisation had put on. And I mentioned that I was writing and she says, oh, I've got a friend, Karen, who writes. And she's a member of, um, it eventually came up that she was a member of West Houston, which was the which was the chapter that I was going to, I ended up joining. And so I Facebook friended her and then I walked in and she was in the kitchen and she's like, she said, hello, I'm Karen and that. And then I walked into, into the main room and it was held in a church. I walked into the main room and there was these two women talking and they looked up and they go, oh, are you new? And I went, yes, I'm, I'm Nicole Flockton. And they go, oh, well, hi, I'm Christy Craig and I'm Sophie Jordan. And they just welcomed me with open arms and they both became really good friends. And through that, I then created a new community and it was very helpful when we moved there to have that community that I'd created with writing. I think that if I didn't have my writing, I would have had a very different experience living there would have been very lonely and isolated, but it was just this great big romance community. And through through going to conferences, I then met um, my best friend, Abigail, and feel very, very lost without her now that I'm back in Australia. <laughs> Did you find that having that group, that community, allowed your writing to flourish, both 
creatively and also prolifically? Yes, because when you go to the chapters, it's like you're going to a mini conference. They have a workshop every day. And also then going to the the actual conference. The Romance Writers of America conference is just like huge. I'd been to two of the Australian ones and was used to, you know, a small boutique sort of conference. And so in 2011, they had it in New York. And so that was my first conference. And I then found out everybody loves to go to the New York conference. It was like 2,000 people there. And it was just was just amazing the amount of workshops, the uh, people you meet, the the energy. And I remember sitting, they have, um, at the time, they had the Golden Heart Award, which was for unpublished manuscripts, um, a contest, and they had the Reader, which was for published manuscripts. And I remember sitting in that room, there was a couple of Aussie girls that had come over because I had final, and I was like, I want this. One day I'm going to get one of these awards. And the following year in 2012, I ended up going to the Anaheim Conference in uh, California as I as a newly minted author because I'd got my contract the month before. So that was like really kind of cool to go to that. And it was one of the highlights, I guess, of my career was in 2015 Again, the conference was back in New York. And at that time, I had been, I was still with Crimson, but I had also been um, picked up by Escape Publishing, which was the digital first arm of Harlequin Australia. So Harlequin have these massive parties and everybody wants to go to these. Well, everybody wants to go to these parties. And because I was a Harlequin author, I was actually able to go to um, one of the parties. But in New York, they have, Each publisher has a signing and I was invited to the Harlequin signing in New York and I initially thought I was only going to be signing digital books because they were working with this digital partner. But because New York is very close to all the publishing, I rocked up and there on this table were paperback copies of my book. And it was just the most amazing thing and I was... I was out the front and there was I got chatting to these ladies and I said, oh, I'm signing. And I said, there's my name. And they said, oh, we'll take your picture. So I got a picture <laughs> of me pointing to my name and they came in and I ended up seeing them at quite a few signings and afterwards. But, yeah, absolute highlight of my career was to be at the Harlequin party, uh, sorry, at the Harlequin signing in New York City. It's just amazing. So how many books have you had published so far? I have over 50 books published. Now, it's a combination of me self-publishing some books and being with a publisher, but also I was writing in Amazon had created Kindle Worlds and I was writing in this author, worlds, author world and then Amazon closed Kindle Worlds, but uh, Susan Stoker, whose world I was writing in, she created her own publishing press because her books are very popular and the world is very popular and I love writing in that world. So being able to still publish in there was pretty good. My first publisher no longer exists though, Crimson closed down. So that was really sad. You mentioned self-publishing. What does that involve? You're the publisher basically. You're the business. What platform though are you on? I have books that are exclusive to Amazon. So that's on the KDP, Kindle Publishing KDP program. 
or dashboard. And then I have, I can upload directly to a, a couple of retailers like Kobo. I, up, I upload directly to them plus Google Play. And then through a third-party distributor, I get to Apple and Barnes & Noble plus other libraries. And you have to do all the marketing. So it poses the question, is there any money in it? And so therefore self-publishing, you get to keep more of the money. Yes. <laughs> there are some very, very successful self-publishers with their self-publishing businesses. Nikki, just as we wind up, is there any advice that you would give others who perhaps are pursuing a career by taking their passion, in particular writing, what would be the first step that you would encourage them to do? I would encourage them to look at their craft, to to learn their craft, so to get some craft books. You know, there's some good ones for Deborah Dixon's Goal Motivation Conflict is a really good basic one because it gives the goal motivation conflict, which is what you need in a story. That's what drives the story. So there are also some self-editing books. So there's a lot of resources out there. I think that if you want to be, you want to put your best foot forward. So you want to put your best product forward and learning your craft and learning how the structure of a story works is the first step. And finally, what's the one thing that stands out for you in your you know 10 or so years of publishing? Is there a particular moment that, sort of stands out where you went, actually, I'm pretty good at this. I'm, I can hand on heart say I'm an author now. I think it would, have been, it would have been this year the Romance Writers of Australia have a contest, Romantic Book of the Year, the Ruby, and I've entered every year since I've been published and I hadn't finaled. I entered the reader and I never finaled that. And then I got an email and I opened it up and it said I had finaled in that contest and it was just it was just the best feeling and so it was at the gala dinner at the conference and I didn't win but I got a certificate that said I came second coming second was just like the best feeling it was just it was like yeah maybe I am good at this maybe I do tell a good story congratulations on having that validation point and just as we really now finish up what's the future are you aiming to publish 100 books or are you looking at perhaps changing the way you write or changing the genre or anything like that? I sat down on a weekend and I worked out my publishing plan for next year. So, you know, there's still plenty of stories to tell. And I have considered perhaps doing a pivot, creating a pen name, doing a different genre, but that would take time and I've got some series that I want to finish and other series that I want to start but it's going to be in the back of my mind and maybe that's going to be you know the little side project that comes up occasionally or one day I'll just sit down and go okay I'm going to do this and I'll write the stories and then create the pen name and and go from there. Well good luck in the future thanks for being on Max's Island I'm sure our listeners would be fascinated about the romance writing world the world of digital self-publishing and also the passion that you have for what started as a hobby and has now become a significant part of your life so thanks for sharing with us on max's island thank you so much it's been really fun to share my story with you we spoke on the bus on the way home from work he was lost in the details of life 
day was a blur, all work and all play, and how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan, a short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track. Go it alone, no one to blame if he finished or fell back. Phone and nothing. 